Now, it's not too hard sometimes to know God's will about a specific matter if the Word of God speaks directly upon it. There should be no question for any Christian about whether he ought to commit adultery or not because the Word of God says, you shall not, you must not commit adultery. That's clear. That's plain. That's so explicit and it's so absolute and so all comprehensive that there should be no question. And you ought to be able to say, if I do, it's wrong. If I don't, that's right. There should be no doubt in your mind about that. But now comes the question of where I should go to school. Should I go here or should I go there? The question of whom shall I marry? Shall I marry him or shall I marry him? They both want me. Which one should I marry? <laughs> Questions like that have no specific directions in the Word of God. The Bible doesn't say always marry a Dutchman. <laughs> doesn't say that. And so we can exempt Vanderwell. <laughs> <coughs> Now, that's where the problems arise. Shall I wear a blue tie or a red tie today or no tie today? The Bible doesn't tell us. That's where we begin to get confused. That's where we begin to get questions in our minds. And a lot of people begin to give their own answers to this matter. They say circumstances will make clear to me what I should do. But circumstances don't make clear to you what you should do. They say, well, what about open doors? Well, some open doors lead to elevator shafts. Suppose I think that I should be a missionary to India. And so I apply for a visa. And the Indian government says, no visa! Now, what am I supposed to learn from that? How do circumstances, closed doors in that case, tell me what I'm to learn? Well, one fellow says, obviously, you're not to be a missionary to India. Is that what it means? Maybe another person comes along and he says, oh, no, you're not reading it accurately. That means that you're not to be a missionary at all. But well, the third fellow comes along and he says, oh no, that isn't what it means. It means that God's testing you to see if you really mean business. You're supposed to say, I'll go to India if I have to swim. I don't care whether there's a visa or not. So you see, how do you interpret circumstances? Well, you're not supposed to interpret circumstances because the Bible doesn't say that circumstances open and closed doors give you guidance about decision-making. That's not how you get guidance on decision-making. And Too many people have that notion of the will of God and how they may know it. And the first thing you know, they begin to bring to the circumstance what they want to find in it 
and they pour all the water that they want to find in that circumstance, and then they come with their bucket and they dip in, and sure enough, they get out of it just exactly what they poured into it in the first place. What you're looking for is what you see in the circumstance. No, you're not supposed to determine the will of God from circumstances, from open and closed door. Now, God does open and closed doors, you understand. But you only know that after the fact, not before the fact. Paul can speak about a great door that's open and effectual after the door had been opened and he had gone through it and seen all the blessing of God. But that was afterwards. Sure, you can know that God opened a door when you've walked through it and you've seen everything that's on the other side. There's nothing in the Bible about circumstances or open doors as the way of determining the will of God. And there are some people who say, ah, now I know that's not true, that circumstances give us the will of God, but it's peace in my soul that lets me know the will of God. Peace! In my heart, peace is the umpire by which I can know the will of God. When I'm peaceful about a matter, when I have peace, then I know it's God's will. Oh, no. You heard what Howard had to say about the conscience of man that can be dulled, cauterized, seared with a hot iron so that it no longer is sensitive and no longer registers a protest when we violate our standards before God. Just because you have peace doesn't mean you're right. It may mean you're quite insensitive. Peace is not the way to know the will of God. Many people who had peace about a matter have ended up in great turmoil because they followed that as the means of knowing the will of God. That passage in Colossians to which people refer when they say this has nothing whatsoever to do with guidance. It's talking about peace among the body of God's people. That's what it's talking about. Let this kind of peace rule in your hearts. The desire for peace among the people of God rather than disruption and turmoil among God's people. Let that be the umpire, the deciding factor in what you're doing and not doing as to whether it will bring peace to God's people. Read the context someday when you have time and you'll see that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about decision making or knowing the will of God. Well then how do you know the will of God? Well first you have to be in the right relationship to God. That's what he's saying here. You're not going to know his will unless you're willing to know it. Unless you are willing to do it, even. Unless you are willing to say, Lord, even if it's against my will, I will do it. Unless you are sold out to God, don't expect to be able to effectively determine and approve of the will of God. But let's say you've done these things that we've been talking about now for five days. 
Your heart is right. You want to know God's will in many ways. How can you know the will of God? You can know it only one way, through the word of God. God does not come and whisper in your ear what he wants you to do. He doesn't give you checks in the spirit or promptings inside or feelings or peace or circumstances or people who come with direct revelations or signs in the sky or fleece that you put out. None of these ways are ways to the will of God. There's only one way to know God's will. That's through his word. But you say his word doesn't tell me which man to marry, which college to attend, which tie to wear. Oh, yes, it does. It does? Yes, it does. Not specifically, but it tells you all you need to know to make a good decision. The word of God boxes you in to alternatives. Sometimes only one. As in the case of adultery, you only have one option. You may not commit adultery, otherwise you sin. That's what the Word of God says. But on the matter of whom to marry, the Bible says, marry only in the Lord. And the Bible describes in a variety of places what a good Christian man should look like. When you have begun to take the biblical principles about marrying only in the Lord and what a good Christian man should look like, you may find that on your horizon, those men who are asking you to marry them or who might possibly do so in the near future are two or three or possibly even four, all of whom are boxed in to that picture as possibilities. Well, how do you know then which one of the two or three or four after you've eliminated all those outside of the will of God as it's expressed in such general terms as marry only in the Lord and marry men who have these kinds of characteristics? Well, at that point, matters of expediency Matters of preference, matters of simple desire and choice can be exerted. You can't go wrong with any one of those three men. You can't go wrong marrying any one of them. God's the God of leftovers. You know, when that great crowd of people gathered and Jesus made enough bread and enough fish for everybody, there were 12 baskets full left over. Would it have been wrong to eat any of the pieces that were in the baskets instead of the pieces they did eat? No. God's the God of abundance, the God of leftovers. He doesn't always narrow down our choices to simply one. He gives us options and he gives us a brain. And within the framework of his word, often we have several possible choices, any one of which might be good and proper. When people talk as though God has one girl for my life or one man for my life and that's the only one for me, they don't really speak in biblical terms. You see, within that framework, you can 
decide on the basis once you've got a couple of men in there you can decide on the basis of whether he's got brown hair or whether he has Dutch hair you can decide on the basis of whether he is tall or whether he's short whether he's stout or whether he's thin all sorts of matters like that become matters that are perfectly acceptable so long as the person is within the framework of God's word. 